Let me show you how it's done. Well, well, welcome. You are listening to The Drop, Drop, Drop. podcast on business, tech, and influence. I am one half of The Drop, Tam Danier, head of strategy. I lead insights and product. I focus on tech, in particular, solutions that solve real-world problems. And I'm here with... My name is B. Pagels Minor. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I have been a product manager for over a decade at some of the world's most well-respected companies like Sprout Social, Apple, and Netflix. I've led teams that built important parts of the App Store, launched games at Netflix, built listening at Sprout Social. All in all, my DNA is fully being a product manager. Folks, welcome back to the podcast. This week, we get to talk about something I really like to talk about, and it's something Sam and I bring up all the time. It's one of the questions we ask, which is, why does something fail? And you can think about it a lot of different ways. New Year's, New Year's resolution fails, you know, your business fails. And in this case, what we really want to know is, why the heck did Peloton fail? Like, what was really going on there that led to it failing? So to kick us off, I want to read a little bit of the news from Peloton. Peloton will embark on a sweeping overhaul that includes cutting nearly 800 jobs, raising prices for its bike plus and tread machines, and outsourcing functions such as equipment deliveries and customer service to outside. This is the third round of layoffs after the company laid off 2,800 employees in February when new CEO Barry McCarthy took over. They're closing their retail stores, they're pivoting the third-party sellers and expanding their e-commerce presence. They're eliminating completely the white glove service and customers must actually assemble their, their products now. They're scrapping their $40 million factory in Ohio. They're cutting jobs and delivering customer support, but they're also still working on um, in- increasing the number of software engineers and their engineering team. They're promoting the app-only subscription, and they're toying with the idea of changing the subscription model and building an app store. Um, they're also piloting leasing the company's bikes, and they also took out a $750 million loan. So basically, if there's something a company can do, Peloton is throwing it at the wall and said that they're going to do it. So, Sam, what do you think about that? I think a lot of things. I want to put into context that the CEO is Barry McCarthy. A very talented guy, has a very good resume, came from Spotify, um, Instacart, has a lot of board seats, was also at Netflix, and so comes from the subscription model. So I, I don't think it's surprising that a lot of the moves they're making are out of his direction, but there's a, a lot that remains to be seen. So I think I want to talk about why things fail, specifically because this is about PMF, product market fit. This is the goal of every company to find product market fit for survival, and here is a company, Peloton that's trying really hard to survive. Peloton is not a new company. They've been around more than a decade. In my opinion, they were not built for the kind of growth that they sought. They did not design for the kind of growth that they pursued and kind of bit them in the ass to that definition of what PMF is, product market fit. Very simple. I've seen on the internet, like all of these really convoluted definitions by very smart people, but sometimes smart people have a really hard time explaining things very simply. And the way that I like to explain product market fit is you have a product that enough people are willing to pay for that you can sustain a business out of it. Enough people are willing to pay for it. It's debatable whether you have product market fit if all of your revenue is coming from a VC. So I define product market fit that there's enough customers willing to buy your product. There's a couple of things that I think about when I think about Peloton. So first and foremost, I don't think that Peloton ever really needs to care about selling a bike or a treadmill. They never need to worry about that. That was never going to be the strategy. In fact, we have a Peloton bike here 
in our home. I'm not gonna lie, that seat is a lot. So my wife is definitely the one who uses that. But the reality is, is we're two people, actually we're now three people, and we only need one bike. So you are never gonna be able to scale this up into I think the average household, because the average household, especially with the current economic constraints that people have, many many people are renters. There's a limited amount of space that they have. There's a limited amount of, amount of capacity they have to have these devices. So it was never going to be the strategy of having multiple bikes or having every household have a bike because it wasn't really feasible. And so the strategy was always going to have to be these wraparound services. And, and I think of it as the Apple model, right? So Apple started off as a hardware company that built in its own integrated software because they wanted to have an amazing experience for the customers. And as the company continues to evolve over time, the bigger strategy is, is how many services can we have that provide value to folks so, the, so they stay in our ecosystem and the hardware is the extra. How do we keep them in our ecosystem is more important in some ways than their hardware. And so to that point, that's what Peloton always needs to focus on. And as COVID happened and you had this huge surge of desire for people to have a, a workout equipment at home, Peloton ran into these really extreme delivery time. So there's 12 weeks or 16 weeks or 20 weeks or 24 weeks, all that type of stuff to get a bike. In fact, I think we waited like 12 weeks for our bike during COVID. And so the idea was is the quicker we can get them into these bikes, the better it is. And that's when they started to have too much supply of the bikes in the treads. And that's one of the, the issues that they ran into. The thing that I think that was the big miss here is that it should never have been, we need to get these bikes faster to people. It's, we need to get them signed up for our app faster. Because it turns out our app actually has many things beyond bikes. You can actually go on a great walk or a great jog, or you can um, do yoga, or you can do stretches. You can do all of those things without those devices. And by the way, we're going to charge you $35.99 for that. And that's really where the value add is. The first thing was assuming that people needed the physical object faster, when the reality is that they needed the experience of being physically fit faster. So it's like focusing on the wrong piece of that puzzle, I think is like the first thing I automatically think of. And the second thing that I, I really think of when you have lots of outside funding, when you generally have lots of funding options, whether that's VCs, private investors, debt financing, any of those types of things, it puts you in this position of, well, I can continue to build the company without thinking about does my growth and my long-term trajectory actually support this. And that's where the 3,600 people layoff, that makes total sense to me because even when they were hiring all those people, I remember recruiters reaching out to me and saying, do you want to come work at Peloton? I was like, but I don't think you have a business that sustains my salary plus these other 35, you know, 3,599 people. And it's just being practical. Who are you going to sell? Why do you need a huge sales team? Even from a customer service perspective, if you continue to work on your product and build a product that actually meets your customer's needs, you don't actually need huge infrastructures for customer service. You don't need all these excess things because you create systems that can deal with the growth in a logical and more efficient manner over time versus trying to fill these seats and solve problems that can be solved through logic. It just starts off with, they were chasing the wrong thing. They were just truly chasing the wrong thing. And then the world kept caught up with it. Oftentimes the economy, it lags behind, but it always catches up. And that's the thing that every company should be thinking about. What, like, what do you think? I think that that's probably the takeaway for this podcast. The reason why Peloton was too big for its britches is I think is they were chasing the wrong thing. I look at Peloton and want to try to break it down and analyze it as a strategist to try to say, when you strip away all of its activities and bring it down to its bare bones and its competencies, what do you really have? What is Peloton really? And my conclusion is you're a content company. 
and you spend all your energy trying to be a product company, a physical product company, and that is now what you are. In design thinking, there is this very familiar term of the DVF model, desirability, viability, feasibility. I think what they left out in that model is usability. We are increasingly in a digital world, and so usability is a very big factor of product market fit as well. And the work that I do, I like to modify that and say we are DVFNU. So I want to break this down in that kind of way. In desirability, which is, do people really want your product? When I think about Peloton, I will say they had overly ambitious goals for what they were, their fitness company. And when you think about the jobs to be done in fitness, the goal is getting fit. And there are a lot of solutions that fit that category, but I'm going to narrow that category into getting fit at home. The job to be done is how do I get a good workout at home? And that is still a very large category of competition of things that someone can do to accomplish that job. So you're already in a niche market and the price point of exercise by range between 249 on the low end and 2200 on the high end and peloton ranges very much so in that high end and so that market is now shrunk so here you have already crowded market if the job to be done is getting fit you got a lot of competition there but let's segment that market to getting fit at home and you also still have a lot of competition which puts you in the fad business and just talk about fads, fitness falls greatly into the fad business because that job to be done is very lasting. People are always trying to find ways to be fit and it constantly changes. Do you remember Bowflex? They're back. They're high bow. <laughs> Did you ever have a vibrating belt B? Or body by Jake? Did you ever do that? What about the thigh master? Jane Fonda's videos. Did you ever do that? Eight minute abs B. Did you ever buy a shake weight? I did have a shake weight. I did have a shake weight. I did. Did you have an ab roller? I did not. <laughs> did you ever have a power balance bracelet? I have a power balance bracelet. <laughs> did you ever do a power plate or Nordic track? Or did you ever do Wii Fit? All of these things. These were all fads. because They all mm. somehow accomplished, at least temporarily, yeah. the jobs to be done is getting fit at home. And so if I was in this room, the strategy room of Peloton, you're playing, we're going to spend all of this money to hire all of these people to build all of these factories because we believe there's going to be this kind of demand. I would say, what kind of demand? More demand than Bowflex? More demand than Tybo? You think you're going to be lasting longer than that? When we look at the price of bikes, you're in the competition of bikes. Talk about segmenting this market, home fitness. There are some people who do not want to work out at home or have the luxury of working out in a gym. So that's not really your market. But let's say now you're segmented down to the market of people who want to work out at home. You're in the premium category of the cost of bikes. You, you're the one that's pushing that number up. Yeah. So now you're in this high premium market. And I got to be honest, I lived in downtown Miami in condominiums. And by the way, for anybody who doesn't live in downtown Miami or around that surrounding area, every high rise or every condominium has a gym inside. That's a standard amenity. And yet still, yeah. there are about 300 public gyms that you can have a membership for. So someone who's paying a premium mm -hmm. to live in one of these condominiums, who's also paying a premium that has a gym inside, is kind of reluctant to then put something inside their house. But these are the people that can't afford this bike. So it's dubious as to how much of that affluent market you're really capturing when they have many more options like personal trainers and luxury gyms and all of that. I think they were really going for the aspirational affluent market.
Peloton was looked at as a flex thing. Yeah. But then if I was in that room, I would ask you, what kind of a flex can someone really stunt with, with something that has to stay in the house? How many times are they going to post on social media yeah. their personal best record? This is a flex that has a limited timeline. So again, I'm putting you in this fad category. I say this word, W-O-R-D-L-A. Say it for me. This oh, is my Wordle? Southern. Wordle? Whatever that, 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 the thing that got bought by the New York Times. Yeah, they got like that thing. Yeah. Someone was posting every day, like they were tweeting out their results. And then a couple weeks into it, people were like, you're kind of a douchebag for doing that. And I feel like that was the same thing with Peloton. At first, it was like, oh, this is so cool. Peloton, like, it's really great. And they have, like, their little community things. And people are like, you're kind of a douchebag for posting that. So I think that's one thing. But again, I think, like, that, that apartment dweller thing is a huge part of this. If the majority of people own their own properties, maybe, it, they would have had a slightly more runway. You have spaces. And you could, like, create a space that would that fit this. I, I think that makes sense. And I, and I think that there's something very interesting that you said here about the aspiring like flex, right? I'm trying to do this because I'm trying to show that I'm cool. Because one of the things I thought was very interesting about Peloton very early on is that they were a very early adopter of some of this buy yep. now, pay later. Exactly. Stuff, People right? who couldn't and actually so we, afford it. They were aspiring affluence. Yeah. I think buy now, pay later, people have kind of woken up. This is another way that if you don't have money, it's another way to find yourself in more debt. And so that whole entire industry is kind of suffering too. That's part of it. You know, this luxe thing that feels luxurious would be less likely to be purchased. But I believe that even if we weren't in this particular situation right now, it just became a situation where it's like, well, what value are you creating? You have to continue to create value. At first, I know lots of people were, were signing up to take the classes because they really love that the instructors still have huge followings. There's still people who are very much respected and loved, and they've gone on to do other really cool stuff too. I have never, when I've, I've been on my Peloton, taken a live class. Primarily because I don't like the idea of someone watching me and then saying, hey, B, you can go harder or you can like whatever. And so, again, it goes to this idea of, you know, what problem are you actually trying to solve for the majority of your customers? Everyone has a New Year's resolution, usually, that sometimes aligns with I'm going to level up in my career. I'm going to be a better parent, spouse, blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to get more fit this year. Right. And by March or April, that's gone. Whenever you're trying to create a product, whether it's a business product, like an enterprise-facing product, or if it's like a you know, direct-to-consumer product, you're trying to trigger people's dopamine. Like you're trying to trigger those like hormones in their head that goes, this helped me. This felt good. This is, this is making me feel some kind of way. And you know, the thing about the machine actually is that when you don't use it, you actually get to look at it, especially because, again, we're talking about these small spaces because it's not like a lot of people who have these have mansions. You're looking at this thing and you actually feel guilty. You're like, wow. I actually am mad. I'm actually getting pissed because Why? I spent $2,000 on this bike yeah. and I'm not using it. That's right. Yeah. So not only are you looking at the bike and you're going, oh, I'm not using it. You're also like, well, now I'm also paying this monthly fee for this app and I'm also not using that app. You're using it. Right. <laughs> and so now I'm just going to go ahead and cancel everything. And remember, to me, and I think that you agree, the entire strategy had to be the subscription. I think desirability was way off, way overzealous on the desirability. We're talking about a fad of a company. Not that Peloton shouldn't exist, 
But hey, let's put some guardrails around it. I don't think the desirability is there. You haven't proven that you're not a fad yet. The other part of that is the feasibility. Because of this push to be big and bad so quickly, they miss that on feasibility. Can you deliver this properly? Number one, mm. delivery problems, supply chain problems, quality problems. They had to do a recall, which was extremely expensive. Their supply which, chain- Which by the way, so one thing about that recall, how do you think about risk beforehand? Because I don't think that most, even myself as someone who has a young child, even if I was someone who did risk analysis, I'm not sure I would have considered that. And so that's one thing I do give them a little bit of a, like, okay, I can, I give you a little bit of leeway that I, I think is okay. like Fair a enough. little bit of a strange thing. Fair enough, but still, there were quality yes. issues on the bike that were beyond this recall. They couldn't deliver the services. Obviously, the supply chain issues, they couldn't get that together. The supply chain issues were so bad that they had to spend $100 million to expedite them there. And then they blew, uh, what was it, $420 million to acquire Precor. Yeah. Another exercise firm to gain their capacity in manufacturing these bikes. Again, double downing on this theory that they were going to be desirable in perpetuity when there wasn't real evidence there. This was not a product that people, you know, this was a $2,200 product. I want to put that in context. So you're talking about that they're, one of the strategies is raising the prices. This was a $2,200 product when there were several other competitors in the market, all the way down to the $249 price point. This is not a product that people turn over. This is not an iPhone that people turn over every two years. This is not one of those kinds of products. And so I say, now let's get into viability. What was your true business model? How many of these did you think you were going to sell? What was the penetration rate that you thought you were going to get? And what was the reoccurring revenue that you thought you were going to get that would justify this, this valuation or these expenditures, this CapEx that you were doing? kind of bizarre. Yeah. This is what was odd about the business model is that they were selling these bikes, this, this hardcore product, $2,200 a pop, which has a limited market. You have to have the space to do it. You have to have the time to do it. You have to have the willingness. You have all of these kinds of segment slice, slice, slice of the market that you have to penetrate. And then your subscription is tied to the ownership of that bike. You should have bought in Barry McCarthy very early to know that the only viability in your business is in the subscription. And therefore, you should have led with subscription from the beginning. It should have always been anybody can subscribe. But if you did that, then that would have been a bet against your bike. And that's probably why they didn't do it. Someone was in a room and said, if we open the subscription to anybody, nobody would buy the bike. The company's core purpose, which is everybody's going to own a bike. That was their ambitious goal, overly ambitious in my opinion. To have a goal like that, everyone will one day have a bike in their house. Who do you think you are? The median household for the United States is like $50,000, yeah. around $50,000. Asking someone to take something like 5% of annual budget and putting it on a bike didn't really make sense. So I think start off there. It didn't make sense. And one thing that you, you didn't mention, that we were talking about all the cuts that are happening. One of the things I thought that was best about Peloton is that I didn't have to think about it. Once I ordered it, all I had to do is schedule my date and then a big burly human. I said human because big burly people come in all sizes, shapes, colors, and genders. A big burly person was going to bring this to my house, set it up. I didn't have to think about it. It was not like Ikea, which gives me headaches just thinking about going to Ikea. It was just going to be perfect. And I did not have to think about it. And now they're taking the one value add that they had versus every other product that I have looked at. So 
going back to desirability. You got to have that insight. What makes us desirable is a question that needs to be asked and answered. Desirability was waning. You overextended yourself because of the surge due to the pandemic and you modeled out a revenue flow in perpetuity um, and, and you came crashing down. Feasibility, you couldn't meet on your promise, supply chain issues, quality issues. People, reports were coming out that they were hiding rust or, or just pure quality issues on the bike. Here's the tough thing about living in a digital age that everybody has access to digital. So everybody's opinion is immediately on the internet. And all you have to do is do a search on YouTube about Peloton reviews. And people are going to be glad to show you and tell you all the reasons why you shouldn't buy a Peloton. And one of the things I always say, I think I said it a couple times on this podcast, but it bears saying again, because I I think it's appropriate. Anytime you're introducing something to the world, introducing a new product, a new service, you're asking people to do one of two things, switch from something or make space in addition to. And here Peloton comes out in a very crowded exercise space and people grow accustomed to the things that they like, the fitness tracker that they use. We already have the wearables industry. We already had a content creation industry around uh, fitness programs. And here you're entering in this space, a very expensive product to buy, combining it with a very expensive subscription that's tied to this and saying, we have all these bells and whistles, but none of them are really good. The reviews on your fitness tracker are not good. People would rather use it. So you're not really replacing anything. So this is all expensive just to say this is in addition to everything else you're doing. That changes the value proposition, the desirability. Is someone really going to have spent $2,200 plus $40 a month um, for something that they're only going to use in addition to everything else that they're doing? It's a hard thing to sell. I will say that the only thing apparently they did is people did really love the content. And that brings me back to the top. When you strip away everything and see what are you actually good at? It's creating content. Well, content and also in some of their workout partnerships are great. Like their clothes okay. fit very well. They, okay. they hold up pretty well too. So those, those, those would be my two things that Peloton's great at. One of their future products that I think that they think that they're going to build out, I can't remember the name of it, but it's essentially the Microsoft Connect from the old Xbox that's just going to look at you and, and let you know whether you did the exercise right. This is a very important thing. Once you realize that you failed, you need to pivot. There's no question about that. But when you pivot, it's not pivot and go to a whole new product and hope that that product builds you out. It's what you just said, which is if you strip down everything, what was our best value? Our best value is that we have the best instructors in the game. And these instructors have huge communities. People follow these folks. And I don't think having a Microsoft Connect type device connect, and, and, and having that stare at me and say that whether I hit things in the right, you know, like the right angle or if it's a full rep, I don't think that's the strategy, especially since there's like already like Tomo and Mirror and all those places that do that. And they also haven't accomplished product market fit. It goes to this idea of, you know, why do you go to a gym? There's a couple of different reasons you go to a gym. I think this is what people, everyone who's in the fitness industry, especially home fitness, you need to take a step back. So there's a few reasons you go to a gym. So one, you go to a gym because you, if you're there, you're like, well, I'm going to actually put in my full workout. So it's a little bit of accountability thing. Two, you go to kind of look at other people and see what they're doing to see like, okay, am I like, is there something I'm missing that I should be doing that I don't know about? 
Three, for many of my friends, it's actually just to go check out my next boyfriend or girlfriend or, you know, anybody in between. And four, it's because you eventually convert and you have like a personal trainer. These are just very obvious examples, but almost all of those come back to a very simple idea, which is community. It's a space that makes my lonely journey of fitness feel like I'm a part of something. And it makes it feel less intimidating. And so in some parts, I think Peloton did a good job of that, right? And that's why their their instructors and their community and friends, for instance, like their leaderboard and stuff like that was like, but I will say you have to also figure out a way to allow people to create boundaries within that community. So that's much, it was much more difficult to figure out how to do that in Peloton. So for instance, people I have not talked to for a long time were reaching out to me. They're like, oh, you're part of Peloton now. Like, let's connect. And then they also connected with me in real life. And I was like, but we haven't talked since high school. Why would I, like, you don't really know me. Whereas if a gym, I can either come to a different time at my gym, I can join a different gym, or like I could tell someone at the gym and that person may get kicked out. And so there was no way for me to both have a great community and also curate my experience within that community in the way that I perf- I, like, I perfectly loved. That's the type of stuff that you're thinking about. How do I actually pivot my company to something that's successful? It's like, well, one, our content was great. Beyonce said something they didn't develop the proper insight. I think you're perfectly right. Why do people work out or go to the gyms in the first place? And who are you really trying to convert? Who's your target customer? People go to the gyms for these very specific things. And does your product meet or exceed the expectations that these other things do? Because you're asking them to switch from that. The other thing I think what you're really saying is very important is that, yes, you probably recognize this growing trend of sense of community, but you missed the mark. You didn't grow a community that mattered. People choose their gyms for a certain mm-hmm. reason. They go to CrossFit and it's Barry's Bootcamp, Equinox, whatever these things are for a certain reason. It's the community that they want. Here in the Peloton community, it's a hash bag of whoever just wanted to be there. It's not necessarily a community that you choose. You just didn't meet the mark in that way. And that's why the, the desirability wanes. Peloton is one of those products that if it's accessible that I want it. If it's not, I'm going to look the other way. And it's one of those products that you have to ask in that room. If people have the opportunity to look away, if you F up on something and people have the opportunity to look the other way, will they ever look back? Are you so good that they will ever look back? And there's not a lot of companies that can have a gaffe in their customer relationship and come back from that. Let's talk about predictions. Let's get to the juice of that. They did bring a smart guy on when the activists decided we got to get rid of this founder CEO and bring in someone who can do the job. I do think they made the right strategic decision in choosing a Barry McCarthy. What does Barry McCarthy need to do to correct this, in your opinion? I think the cuts to customer service and the the white glove delivery service is actually possibly a mistake because I think this is a luxury. The the physical product is a luxury product. And for that type of price... You need to continue to maintain a luxury experience. And I will say personally, when I've had to reach out to customer service, how excellent they are at their customer service is one of the reasons that even though I'm not using it, my wife mostly uses it, I'm cool if I continue to pay for that subscription because I'm like, oh, well, the experience is really nice. So this seems like an okay type of thing. It's actually a mistake to think that that's the problem. You know, it goes back to the, the actual hardware sales will be a very small percentage of what the actual business should be. I think they should lean into more of the different types of content. Like, you know, the content cycle is not just, you know, are we doing biking, right? Like if you want to go off-road biking, 
here's the best one. And then maybe you have a partnership with a bike company. And then you have like these strategic partners to, to, to pair your piece of content with other people's hardware. It makes a lot of sense. One of their big expenses is actually licensing out the music they use in these services. And I'm like, that makes more sense to me to potentially part like Snoop Dogg just bought Death Row, right? Maybe you need to you know, partner with a major studio and cut down on those types of expenses. You could actually probably create something that feels very bespoke to your product. I mean, maybe you become the first tech company, physical product company that has a number one album on Billboard. I don't know. But that makes more sense to me than cutting some of the other things they've talked about. If they are going to continue down this path of producing hardware, tying back to the news that they're raising the prices, but they're also changing the services around that. If this white glove service was your differentiator, changes to that service could change the desirability of the product. Would people still want to pay $2,200 knowing that they had to assemble the product themselves? The other sub-question to that to me is, well, you have to change the manufacturing of that bike so that it is more accessible to a home user to be able to assemble, i.e. going back to how Ikea designs mm-hmm. their products. What does that do to the quality of the product if you're designing it for home assembly and not expert assembly? I think that also changes the desirability. That would also have to change the price point. So that would have to happen, I believe, I'm just predicting, if those things are true, that you'd have to change the price point and bring it down to the equilibrium or the middle of where this is, which is somewhere around $700 for the bike, if you want to stay in that business. Um, I also think that their play to do fashion is really a punt at uh, Lululemon. And I think it's risky because Lululemon Mm -hmm. is a brand outside of a trend or outside of an exercise um, fad and Peloton is too closely linked to this bike thing. And unless you become cool again, nobody's going to be seen walking around in Peloton shirts. So I think that uh, predictions, what's going to happen within five years to Peloton? They have a subscription service. They have products that people buy every day. That's the best case scenario, right? Is that you come out of this, you become the more luxe version of Nordic track. And you are a product that people continue to have in their wheelhouse for their fitness journey. That's the best case scenario. And that only happens if the software gets better, the software continues to improve, and that and the software enables really robust communities. That's the thing that is very complicated. And I'm not sure that they actually have the type of talent that they'll need to do this. So I have a feeling that Peloton most likely will be acquired by some other larger player. It wouldn't surprise me if like an Apple acquires them, right? Because they can they can maintain building bikes for those types of prices and then having enough wraparound services that it could really be useful to them long-term. But I think that an acquisition is probably in the future. I agree with the foregone conclusion. I don't know if I agree with the path to get there. I do think that that's part of Barry McCarthy's plan is to figure out where these, he's got a lot of bets out there. It seems like he's doing to figure out where the traction is. I do think that in the future, they will either disband from the hardware manufacturing, because when you really think about it, the quality of a Peloton, do they have the competency of those players that have that competency for years, the pre-core the Schwinn's, the Nordic track, are you going to bring your price point down to meet the quality expectations of those that have been in the game for quite some time? Schwinn is a bike manufacturer. That's what they do. 
and they have bikes in the $499 range. You're better than Schwinn in making bikes. I think you have to answer that question for the market. If bike to bike, you are not better than Schwinn, then your game here is in the content. And I fear that if you want to get into the content game, and that is the space that you are in, you are looking at Netflix type competition. This is a very saturated and shark infested water. And everybody is your competition because the barriers are very low. All this really takes is marketing dollars. And if TikTok decides to get into the fitness game, I think it's over for Peloton. I also think YouTube could be a powerful competitor. Maybe even Snapchat could be a powerful competitor to this space. To your point about record labels, maybe even Spotify can be. You see what I'm saying? It's just too, the competition is too much in this content creation space. And that's really what Peloton is. So I think they need to figure that out. I do agree with you that within five years, maybe his goal is to get to a position where he would be acquired. And an acquisition to me would look like potentially Amazon. They would fold this into Prime. Amazon would discount this bike down so low. You would get the content for free within Prime or maybe an Apple and a Beats by Dre kind of acquisition. Let's fold this in. We're trying to, we're trying to own the fitness category. We've got okay fitness. Peloton does have a better fitness program than, than, than Apple. Maybe they may say, let's buy that content, fold it into this. Our wearables are better. Let's link it better. Some There could be some synergies there. I don't know if Apple wants to get into the game of manufacturing bikes. I think that they realize it's not a sustainable or very profitable business. If it's an ultra luxe product, I think it makes sense. I think it doesn't make sense to try to make it cheaper. I think making it like the best, absolute best version of an exercise bike, like the most interconnected, best software, best hardware ever, interconnected on a bike ever, that makes sense to me. That would be my strategy. And then just the subscription service will exist separate from it for all time. So anybody in the world subscribe to the service, that would be my strategy. It's like, I don't think I'm going to sell a whole bunch of these bikes, but I can make the best, absolute best version of this bike. Maybe but I, I also think you're flip. going back into who wants to flex on an exercise bike. Again, that's why I think that's the subscription right. service is the way to go. And if you do yeah. maintain any hardware product, Make it the absolute yeah. best version of that hardware product. One last question for you before you go. Blackjack mm -hmm. table. It's a blackjack table. Head to head. This content creation game. That is the game that Peloton is in. Shark infested waters here. It's going to be like Netflix versus Disney versus HBO. That's the future of, I think, the fitness category in this content game. That's my prediction. Blackjack table. I'll put them all on the same table. I'll put, I'll put TikTok on the table. Uh, okay. Peloton on the table, YouTube on the table, and I'll put Apple on the table as well. You know what? For shits and giggle, not because they're going to develop it themselves, but they'll probably do an acquisition. I'll put Amazon on the table. Just specifically, this is the blackjack table. Everyone's on this table. Where, where are you putting your money? Fitness game. YouTube. Really? I would go head-to-head -head YouTube, TikTok. You wouldn't say TikTok. I think YouTube absolutely has an opportunity for sure. Who do I think is going to enter but fail? meta <laughs> i mean that's going to be part of the metaverse it's like come on work out over here and it's like no why would i want to go to the fake gym I can't oh my god i ran into muscles. the wall i can't put this thing on my head oculus i ran into the wall oh my <laughs> god this is a real space i'm in zuck <laughs> <laughs> yes it's like my apartment is this big okay 
How do I supposed to? I've already got vertigo and I can't tell where I am. I'm disoriented. Really? I'm jumping around with a mask on my face. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yes. Again, it's like, if you can't get the innovation right, of course, we are far off from the dreams and hopes that some of these folks have. So. I will leave I with this. Know. I study specifically why companies fail so that when I see it again, I can call it out and say, this is about to happen. You're about to be Peloton or you're about to be Quibi. I, I call it out exactly like that. Just quite bluntly, anytime you fail, it's because you made an assumption and you were wrong. You made an assumption about desirability. People wanted that. You were wrong. You made an assumption about feasibility. You could build that profitably. You were wrong. You made an assumption about viability. People were going to pay for that or pay that much for it. You were wrong. You were wrong somewhere along the way. I'm interested to see what Barry McCarthy does with this and holding you to this bet. Uh, five years <laughs> acquisition or, or fizzle out. Basically. More than 3,000 people don't have a job and they're probably nervous and worried about how they're going to take care of their sure. families. The news also does seem to suggest that there is a pivot to the tech side. If you're So if you're a product manager or software engineer, they, this does seem to suggest that they are pouring a lot of money into the strategy of subscription and creating a digital experience and an e-commerce experience. So you're likely to get a job on that side of things for a while. They did borrow $750 million. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I would also caution you to be very mindful about the exit door. Yes. Um, because this is still an experiment at this stage. Wish them luck, but this is a very competitive space. To try to do hardware and content, these are two very cost-intensive businesses that are risky by themselves. So in 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 the end, try to be jazzercise? Jake? What was that guy? JT? What was the guy? Be dance. Shanti. Shanti. Oh my gosh. Shanti. He's a TikTok star now. There you go. Thank you so much for listening to the Drops Podcast. We love having you. We love your feedback. Please do connect with us across social media. We are the Drops Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. And we also have a great email, thedropspodcast at gmail.com. You can send in any questions that you have, and we definitely would love to answer them on the podcast. Feel free to ask just about anything because we have experienced a ton of different things. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Drops Podcast.